also think that everyone, men and women, have all these qualities. And it's about finding the qualities that you have and then acting on that. So the worst thing to do and what I've seen myself do in the early stages of my career is to act on the masculine leadership traits that I have only. Yeah. Because that's what I thought a strong businesswoman does. Yeah. But actually, I was so wrong. And as soon as I realized that actually I am an empathetic person and I am a compassionate person and played that into my leadership style, I think it changed for the better. I think I want to start having a new intro, but I'm going to stick with the old one for now. If anyone has any ideas, please pitch them. But welcome back to The Tea with Nikki. We're pro-tea, not anti-coffee. Tea with Nikki is dedicated to spilling the tea with incredible women who are leaders in the industry, whether it's on the sports field, corporate office, or entrepreneurship. Today is quite a special episode as I'm joined by one of the most incredible women that I know and I'm lucky enough to call one of my best friends, Philippic Dodds. She manages the marketing communications for the Africa region at Maltwater, which is a media intelligence marketing agency. She is also the marketing strategist for Future Females, which I've spoken about on this platform before, and I'm also the Cape Town chapter ambassador for. She is now also going to be the director of the Future Females Foundation, which is aimed at eradicating gender-based violence through education. There are three different platforms which they are going to be doing this through. Philippa will tell us more about it in this interview itself. She is also an, a sports enthusiast. We actually went mountain biking just before doing this, but she has completed countless half marathons. Argus's, she's also done the Ironman 70.3. And she has recently just received the Young Woman's Top Achiever Under 40 from Standard Bank 2019. We speak about her journey into becoming marketing manager at Maltwater, her love for female empowerment, what she'll be doing as the director of the Future Females Foundation, what's next on the cards for her, and we have a ball of a time playing heads up. I hope that you enjoy. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah. This is so exciting. I'm so happy to be here. And it's like in my space as well, yes. which is so nice. Full, obviously. I've known you for many years and I know everything that you've accomplished. You've done half Ironman, you're director on the Future Females and now you're going to be the director of the Future Females Foundation, which you're going to be spearheading as well and I know you're very passionate about. Mm -hmm. You've done fundraisers, you're marketing manager at Maltwater and the list just goes on. But I know a common thread that comes through in everything that you do is that you're a huge advocate for female empowerment and anti-gender-based violence. So where does your passion for female empowerment come from firstly? I think that when you, first of all, when you're very passionate about something or love something a lot, it's hard to tell where it comes from. And I don't think that there's one place or one person even that a love for something or passion for something comes from. So it's a lot of different things, but I think I could put it down to probably my background is a big one. So I was born into a family where on both sides of the family, on my mom's side and my dad's side, there is incredible women. So I have, you know, amazing aunts, cousins, two incredible grands and of course an incredible mother. And my mom, she was working in the IT industry for 35 years, very male dominated, and was just the most incredible businesswoman, smashed every target, you know, head of the office. It was this very male dominated space. So I was brought up with my, you know, my first role model being someone who smashes glass ceilings, you know, doesn't worry about the status quo or 
if something's a man's job or a woman's job, like that didn't register at all. Yeah. So I was brought up with this incredible role model and then my dad also is, you know, also an advocate for, for woman empowerment. And, you know, he was happy to do the cooking when my mom was working late or when my mom's on a business trip in New York, he would be tying my ballet shoes and I was a baby, you know? And um, he's an entrepreneur himself. So he runs his own architecture firm and is the, you know, incredibly intelligent, smart and creative man. So I think from both my parents, I get this, yeah, like the entrepreneurial spirit and the creativity, but also like the business mind and the like go-getter attitude. Also, I have a credible brother and, <laughs> but my parents always taught my brother and I that Phil will always be able to achieve what Jeff can. Yeah. And I wouldn't be able to not achieve something because of my gender. So I was always, there was no like, this is a, you know, for men only, or this is for girls only. We both had full control over what we wanted to do with our lives, like make the right choices. And so I think that was a long way to, to kind of teaching me like, or unteaching these stereotypical or gender roles that society has. So then I was, you know, brought up, went to school, went to varsity and heard a lot of people saying, or society saying that well, women should do something yeah. because they're women. And that just didn't register to me at all. So I think that's probably where some of my like passion for women empowerment comes from. I also believe in using your privilege for good. And I know that I'm incredibly privileged to have been brought up in a safe and secure family and household and to have had so many opportunities. So what I want to do is to use that to empower others. I love that. So wonderful. <laughs> and I know you also started studying a business degree, realized not for you, <laughs> and you moved to humanities and you majored in gender studies and? Mm. Film and media. Film and media. With, uh, were my two majors and then I had electives in gender studies and English. Yes. And then you somehow landed in marketing. Did you always see yourself in a marketing position? Because you started with business, then you moved to humanities. So yes. How did you find yourself at AI Intelligent Marketing Firm? Yes, so I think, think marketing was not something that I always wanted to go into. I actually, when I was younger, I always wanted to be an actress. <laughs> and so... <laughs> here we are! <laughs> here I am in front of the camera. And then, so that was like my wild, ambitious goal. And then it changed to being a film director, screenwriter or producer. So I was really passionate about the film industry. But then I also had this desire to just be a businesswoman, whether it's running my own business and starting my own business or working within a corporate and you know seeing how that goes i that kind of i think got me to Melwater, which is a media intelligence company so we've been running you know we run like a startup but we're a corporate and we are in the media industry but also in the ai analytics industry so yeah. it's a super nice like mix of everything that i'm passionate about and interested in and marketing is an incredible i think career path for me and choice that i made I, as soon as I finished studying, I started looking for jobs in marketing. So I was looking for marketing intern roles and it turned out to be the best decision ever because even though I hadn't studied marketing, I got to learn on the job. So yeah, it was super exciting and I've always had a love of learning. Yeah, so that worked out really well for me. <laughs> so I know you also sit on the director board of Future Females, which I sit with HQ with you guys sometimes. Yes. And now you're going to be starting the Future Females Foundation. I know you've always wanted to start a nonprofit. How did you get to this point of Future Females Foundation? And can you actually tell us what it is exactly as well? Yes. 
So, um, well, first of all, how I started in Future Females, I actually met Lauren and Serena on the night of our first ever launch in Cape Town. And how I heard about the launch was through a Facebook ad. Okay. So I was going to Facebook and I see this thing, Future Females, all about female empowerment and entrepreneurship. I'm like, cool, this obviously is This is me. Yes, <laughs> I need to be there. So off I went on my own, quite nervous. Ended up hearing what Lauren and Serena had to say about Future Females, their vision for the organization where they wanted it to go. And I just went to them after the event and I said, I really want to be involved and can I? And so I've been involved with them since. It's been a, a whirlwind of the last three years. So we just turned three, as you know. What an incredible yeah. experience and opportunity I've had also working in the entrepreneurial space as well as, you know, in the, in the corporate space. How Future Females Foundation came about is I am incredibly passionate about women empowerment and specifically by empowering women through the eradication of gender-based violence. Because I feel like gender-based violence is the biggest form of disempowerment of women. Yeah. And the biggest thing probably holding women back, I know in South Africa, but especially you know in other parts of the world as well. So we, Serena, Lauren and I put our heads together and decided to launch the foundation because it's it can be a vehicle to combat gender-based violence, which is something that the three of us are incredibly passionate about doing something about and it will be yeah so it's a non-profit arm of the business it's going to be have a global focus so you know not south africa specific although we're launching here and it will obviously yeah. be a big emphasis so what we want to do is make sure that anything that we do do in the space that we are credible that we're coming from a place of i guess trustworthiness and that we know what we're doing so we've put in a lot of research in the last few months specifically for the foundation but i've been doing some work in the space for the last few years and speaking to the right people speaking to the experts in the space speaking to the researchers people pulling the facts you know the social workers working in the space like collecting a whole lot of different data points to come up with a framework that we believe will be the driving change that gender-based violence needs and so what that is is a three-fold framework so the first part is education then it's protection and promotion. So under education, you have the focus on young men and boys, educating young men and boys on rape culture, uh, sexual health, women's rights, human rights, mental and sexual health and well-being, and which of course is so important. Then in the protection space, you are focusing on the women. Yeah. So the survivors of gender-based violence, making sure that they have the legal and emotional support. So things like counseling, therapy, social workers, but then also the legal support in terms of making sure that justice is served and that they are comfortable and supported enough to report and testify their case. And of course, incredibly important. And then on the promotion side, what I have seen is that we, we live in a social media world. Yeah. So everyone's on social media, everyone has a voice. And we also live in an influencer world, right? Everyone's an influencer, everyone has influence or some kind of clout in their field. And how cool would it be if we can use that to for good? Yeah. So we play on people's desire to be seen and heard and on social media. If a lot of people have big influences and imagine if they use that influence to drive real change. So the on the promotion side, it's gonna be things like promoting and highlighting and acknowledging donors, volunteers, activists and advocates for the for the cause. To encourage society that to, to get involved and to you know make it known that anyone can get involved and anyone can help. I think 
it's a huge issue, right? Gender-based violence. Like it's a, it's a, unfortunately one of the biggest issues. Yes. I think, especially in South Africa, we have five times the global average gender-based violence in comparison to the global world average, which is unreal. That just means you and I could be affected, any one of our friend groups. So it's a huge, huge issue. Yeah. So what you're doing is incredible. <laughs> but I, you know, it's it's so big that it's almost impossible. Yeah. If you just look at it, if you just go, I want to eradicate gender-based violence. It's I mean, that's, it's impossible. Like, where do you begin? What do you do? So it's a really hard task that we've tasked ourselves with. And, but I believe that if, you know, Emma Watson says, if not me, then who? If not now, then when? Mm -hmm. And I think if I, if I really want to do something about the schools and I just don't because it's too impossible, too big, and I feel like I can't make a difference, then I never will. Yeah. So I might as well just start it and just you know give it my best shot and see what I can do. And I think that it applies for anything. Like if you want to you know start a business or start an NPO or get a promotion or whatever it is, if you don't go after it at all, then it's never going to happen. So you know just take the first step, go for it, and there's much more chance of you having success in that way than if yeah. you don't do anything. You never know unless you try. Yeah. So. Backpedaling a little bit, you said that it's a space that you've been involved in for some time now. So for those of you that don't know, Phil's also done a backer buddy fundraiser campaign when she did the half Ironman, the Ironman 70.3, like an insane person. <laughs> I want to ask firstly, why did you decide to do the Ironman 70.3? Because I know you've mm -hmm. done how many Argus's now? Uh, five. Five. And how <laughs> many half marathons? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Countless. <laughs> And then now, was it you're just wanting to now level up and really push the boundaries and see, can my body do this? Was that sort of the headspace? Definitely. So I have always loved cycling and running and keeping fit and healthy and had done, as you said, like a couple of races, you know, here and there and over the last couple of years and sometimes, you know, 10k race or sometimes a half marathon. I thought... This is, I, you know, I need to push myself now. I know I can do a half marathon. I know I can do the Argus. I can push myself either by pushing for a better time and like training harder and mm. trying to get it faster, or I could just really expand my boundaries and go for something I've never done before. And so when I heard about the Ironman 70.3, it really sparked my interest because it's something I haven't done before. I don't know many people that have, yeah. and it's three sports, right? So yeah. it's cycling and running, which I love, and I thought, cool, I'll be able to train for that and do that. But then it's swimming as well. Yeah. I remember you <laughs> speaking about the swimming. You were just petrified. You were like, no, what am I going to do? Am I going to just drown? So I think it's 1.9k swim, followed by a 90k cycle, and then a 21k run. How long did it take you to do all of that? Five hours, 40 minutes. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it was definitely, you know, wanting to level up and wanting to push myself and challenge myself. I'm a goal-driven person, so I set myself the goal of doing it, registered in January and it, the race was in June. So I had six months to train and just put my head down and trained and did it. And in those six months, you also decided to start a fundraising campaign, I think it was on Back of Buddy, for Rape Crisis Cape Town Trust. How did you choose Rape Crisis? And you also set yourself a goal of 50,000. Was it not scary thinking that you might not reach the target or would anyone even contribute? What was going through your head when you started that? And why did you decide that, okay, I'm doing the Ironman, let me do a fundraiser at the same time? <laughs> yes, so I decided to do the fundraiser because as I said, this is a cause that I'm passionate about. 
So I thought if I'm going to do the Ironman, I might as well use this platform or this big opportunity or this big thing that I'm yeah. going to do in my life for good. So I got hold of the Red Crisis team. They were thrilled to hear that I was going to be fundraising for them. Set up the back of Betty page. Cool, cool, cool. I'm like, I'm going to, you know, aim high again. So my first thought was just making a 10 grand. And I thought, well, at least then if no one else contributes, I can at least then get you know, some money from like my closest friends yeah. and myself, you know, I put like some of my salary and I'm thinking, and then I was like, okay, no, that's, that's not very ambitious of me. <laughs> and I'm always preaching, you know, aim higher, do better, yeah. go bigger. So then I pushed it to 25K and then I was the same thing. This is still too achievable. Yeah. What is unachievable? So I doubled it, set it for 50K and off I went. And then the panic set in. Yeah. Then I'm busy training, I'm stressing about the fundraising, I don't even know if I'm going to finish this race, I don't even know if I'm going to get out the ocean yeah. after the swim. And that's the first thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I was like, I'm not even going to finish leg one out of the three of the race. It was yeah, a lot of panic, but that also spurs me on a bit. Mm. So, you know, with a bit of panic and a bit of pressure and a bit of, you know, I put it on Instagram, yeah. told everyone, I was like, so now I have to do it. Yeah. Oh, it's out there now. Yeah. No going back. Yeah, it's out there now. I, I have a lot of people holding me accountable, kind of spurs me on to like, like train harder and think of more innovative ways to fundraise. I ended up not drowning in the ocean, which was the first. Clearly, that's <laughs> <was> the first. <laughs> and then the real power of community was shown to me. I can't explain to you how incredible people are. Yeah. I think everyone wants to help. Everyone wants to do good in the world, but sometimes you just don't know how or yeah. what is the avenue where to do, do that. Start? Yes. Exactly. So I made it a super public thing. I had press out. I had it all over my social media and told everyone I know and asked everyone to donate. And I think that like people were so happy to, I think, I hope, because they knew that they were doing something good, right? All 100% of the money donated was going to rape crisis, which is doing significant change in our community. Yeah. So it was a really, really interesting way to see how people come together so yeah. quickly and so self it's amazing. So what's the next steps for Philip Dodds? What should we be looking out for on your Instagram, your LinkedIn, <laughs> your Facebook, everything? What, what's kind of on the horizon that you aren't afraid to tell us? Okay, so fitness-wise, actually for this year, so for 2020, I had a goal to do my first multi-stage cycle race. So it's not just a one day, it's yes. more than one day. The Wine to Wales. Yes, so I'd registered for the Wine to Wales and it was cancelled. So I will do that next year, so that's next. And then I also had on the fitness goal to do my first ultramarathon. I registered you were training yes. and you'd done your qualifying and you were ready, you were locked and loaded yes. and then COVID hit and everything got cancelled. Yes, exactly what happened. So that I'll do next year as well. So that'll be 54Ks um, for the two oceans. So that's next on the horizon in terms of fitness. And then the foundation is going to be taking up a lot of my extra time now. So I'm still working at Meltwater full time, obviously helping out with Future Females HQ where I can, but now having this organization to pour a lot of the energy and love that I have for the cause into one thing. So that's definitely what's next. And can you tell us how, if someone wants to get involved, reach out, maybe help with the legal aid or education mm. or promotion, how yes. can they get involved? How do they reach you? Yes, please get involved if you do want to. That would be amazing. We're looking for as many helping hands as possible. You know, it's not, as we said, it's not an easy task, so it's yeah. gonna take a lot of effort and a lot of community. You you can reach me, I mean, it's at Philippa Dodds on almost every social media channel. Dodds or DodsPhilippa at gmail.com. 
Awesome. Mm. Now we're going to finish the question round before we move on to the ABCs. And I ask all of my guests, what does feminine leadership mean to you? Oh, I love this question. And I've been looking forward to it. <laughs> I think, first of all, that feminine leadership isn't confined to something that just women have. Yeah. I think that, you know, I've worked with a lot of incredibly strong and amazing men and women. And funnily enough, a lot of men have feminine leadership qualities. Feminine. Feminine. Leaders, yeah. But it's in the traditional sense. Yes. So it might be like empathy, for example, mm. which is an incredibly important skill or trait for a leader to have. And I know a lot of my male managers have that trait. And then I have a lot of female managers and co-workers who are headstrong and driven and ambitious, which are tr traditionally masculine leadership yeah. qualities. I think that the ideal kind of feminine leadership is a combination of both, depending on who you are. So some people work better under pressure, some people don't. Some people are headstrong, some people are more flexible maybe. Some people work with an empathy and a compassion to others and some people don't but they can get put their head down and get the job done. So I also think that everyone, men and women, have all these qualities. And it's about finding the qualities that you have and then acting on that. So the worst thing to do, and what I've seen myself do in the early stages of my career, is to act on the masculine leadership traits that I have only. Yeah. Because that's what I thought a strong businesswoman does yeah. but actually I was so wrong and as soon as I realized that actually I am an empathetic person and I am a compassionate person and played that into my leadership style I think it changed for the better so it's about finding the qualities that you have inside of you and acting on that now moving on to the ABC segment so starting with A mm. What was your aha affluent amazing moment? I can't pinpoint it, but I know that I have an aha moment every time I speak to someone or meet someone that has done more than I have with less. And it has taught me to, and there's a lot of people that have done that. So it's taught me to not use, I don't have the time, I don't have the energy, I don't have the money to do something that I want to do, but yeah. rather to just go with it and just do it and just start rather than thinking what don't I have yeah I love that B what was a blunder turned to blessing in your career so I'm gonna be frank okay I haven't told a lot of people this it's something I'm very embarrassed about okay I failed first year UCT okay so I was doing commerce and as what you said yes. in the beginning I started out doing commerce and I thought I think I chose it because at school I loved maths Oh, so I was yeah. like, well, I love maths. That must mean I must go into commerce. Wrong. <laughs> I had this, as I said earlier, like this desire to, you know, do something creative and be in the film or media industry. Yes. And so why I chose commerce, I don't know. So that was a big blunder. And yeah. what happened is I changed my degrees. I was like, the, you know, I'm not going to sit through this again. And I'm rather going to play to my strengths. And even if it's, you know, going down a, a degree or career path that I didn't see myself going into at first. And so I changed my degree to film the media and it was much better and my results improved like dramatically. And then it led me to work at No Auto, which I'm so, so happy at and is so perfect for me and who I am and where I want to go, you know, in life. And then that led me to starting to work at Future Females and Global Shapers and, you know, and, and, and. So I think that was definitely the blunder turned blessing. Definitely. <laughs> See, what was a comical cinematic moment for you? <laughs> I had lots of these. <laughs> 
I'm probably one of the clumsiest people I know. The other day, actually recently, so I'm, I'm busy working and I start smelling a like burning smell. And I think to myself, oh, well, the neighbor must be cooking and burning whatever oh. he's cooking, like what an idiot. Name. Then it gets a bit too hectic. I start like coughing. I realize my flat is filled with smoke. I turn around, the stove is on, and there's a <laughs> towel over my stove that has a is burnt. I swear. <laughs> the, the the one of the plates of the stove was on accidentally. Why I was the towel on the I, stove? So it was laundry day and I've been taking <laughs> <laughs> I've been laundry day. I'd been taking out my laundry and I'd hang everything up and then there was one towel left that there was no space for on the hanging rack. So I took it out of the machine and I think I must have accidentally flipped the stove on. It was on it went to six. So it was on the highest thing. And I just I was like, oh, I'll just put my towel here because it's getting there's nice sun from the it's window. Yeah. <laughs> Next thing, the whole stove is on the towel is burnt, there's like this big black thing, it's full of ash. And then I, you know, quickly turned the stove off. I ran out of my flat coughing, literally oh there was gosh. smoke everywhere. Uh, yeah, so that was quite comical. <laughs> so question is, did you get a new towel? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I definitely had to throw that one out. But there's been loads of moments like this. Like I've had I've arrived in Joburg on a business trip and gotten out of an Uber and my high heel has snapped right oh. off, clean off, and I'm on my way into a meeting. So I'm not, yes, and I have to hobble <laughs> with one foot with the high heel, one foot not, like, so yeah, I've missed flights, I've been running around airports in a panic, like it's, yeah, there's been lots of comical moments. Those are some of That's amazing. So now we're gonna move on to the challenge. Mm. Um, no, I don't know. <laughs> this is similar to the... No, no, next. <laughs> okay, this is the big um, American supermarket. Not Walmart? Target. Yes. Oh, this is an energy drink? I used to work Get red, energy, I, red bull. Yes. I don't know that is. Um, I think this is the... Is it the one with the alligator? Lacoste. Yes. Um, it's a um, instant coffee. Nescafe. Yes. Um, it's you get it in a row. It's like a mint or a little sweet. Mentos. Yes. Nice. <laughs> Don't know who that is. Oh, delicious ice cream. Sinful. No, uh, like a, you get them in little tubs or big tubs. Ola. <laughs> no. It's like, it sounds Dutch, I think. Oh, it does. Yes! <laughs> uh, famous female tennis player. <gasps> Maria Sharapova. No, no, no. no Venus no. Williams. Serena Williams. Yes. Uh, they, it's the American... Football. Yeah, but it's called... Foosball. Um, uh... Skip mm. that. <laughs> uh, again, the COVID... Uh, social distancing? Yes. Uh... Another tennis player, uh, she played Serena Williams, she actually beat Serena Williams. Oh, I know her. Um, uh, something with an O. No, me no. Um, it's a TV series, so what's after 99? 100? Yeah, so. 100 Ways to Die? No, 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 so. 101 Dalmatians. It's. Uh, <laughs> it's a TV series. Um, so there's a. a normal... 90210. No, no, no. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are big advocates of this movement. We did the quiz this morning. BLM, Black Lives Matter. Yes. 